And we're back for another episode of Stream of Thought. This is episode number 232. We kick things off talking about Rix's most recent addition to the saga that he created, Angels and Demons. A story that was made manifest when he was just a boy of 15 years of age. And the most recent installment. And because we're talking about writing and storytelling, we reminisce on the days of middle school and some of the overwhelming projects that we endured. So with that being said... Episode number 232 of Stream of Thought. We hope you enjoy. Dude, I've been uh, reading your manuscript, and it's been pretty, uh, it's been pretty fun. <laughs> it's, I, I like it a lot. So I was, I'm like, oh, this is a sweet story. But um, I think I've done, like, the first five chapters. I'm like, okay, I got to get back. I need to get on. I need to do, like, at least two a day, I feel like. But I was reading – when I was reading it, you know, making the corrections here and there. But uh, I was like, what? This guy – without saying too much, I was like, wait, this guy's running away, and this is the reason why? And he's got a baby, and he drops it off with this guy? But then this happens? And then this, I was like, wait, what is going on? So it's fun. It's like an adventure for me. I, I'm so glad to hear that. I, I was going to ask you about that earlier, but I feel like this podcast is a perfect platform to um, kind of share your your experience. Because, dude, um, kind of a weird thing. So we were supposed to have our kind of a side tangent. Supposed to have our clinical pastoral education class, the chaplaincy program that I'm part of. But apparently our supervisor has been... Uh, unavailable and has been impossible to get in touch with so four of us it's a group of seven including her so four of us ended up showing up on the day that it's supposed to be from uh what is it nine nine a.m eastern to four p.m and so it's supposed to be a full day of just talking didactics all these other components as well there was no there was no supervisor so we ended up doing like this self-directed um, session that we had and towards the end when we were doing our, our round table of checking in with one another uh, two two of our other members our, our two Jewish members uh, rabbis uh, had said oh yeah we're both we're both writing books right now and uh, it's the first time I've ever written a book and it's super overwhelming and it's fun but I've never tried this before so I don't know what I'm doing kind of thing and there, I'm, I'm sitting back and just thinking to myself, yeah, I remember what that was like when I was in seventh grade. Yeah, writing my first book. <laughs> yeah. Dude, how uh, some of those projects, I don't, I don't know about you, but when I was in middle school, there were a lot of projects that I just felt so fucking overwhelmed. Like, how is a 12-year-old supposed to do all of this? What the fuck? Bro. And it's like... Sometimes the instructions aren't clear, and it's like how, you're looking around and you're like, "How is everyone doing this except for me? I don't even know what direction to take this." Like I remember one time, well, this, this would have been fifth grade, I think, but I remember one time it was like, "Yeah, you're gonna do, you know, you guys are gonna do a science experiment and talk about the science experiment." I'm like, "I don't know shit." <laughs> yes. That's how I felt. That's honestly how I felt for like most subjects. The only subjects that I felt comfortable with was like creative writing. Aside everything else, I just I was 
out of my depth, and I felt like I was drowning. I could write so often. Yeah, as like book reports were my jam. Really, I always, I always, always, always would ace book reports. Every fucking one. Was there was there one that you remember that was like, I. This is this could be sent to a college and they would love it. Oh is no, there... I don't know about that. Oh, okay. I just remember, but but also in sixth grade, our teacher would give us ten points extra credit if we handed it in early. Like, I think we would have two weeks to do it, and if we gave it in with the, after like one week or like three days before, I don't know, some length of time before it was due, and I would always do that. But it's not like I would always get an eighty, and because of it, I always get a nine. No, I'd always get like anywhere between like. You know, ninety-seven and one hundred and seven percent. Because, because, you knew how to actually um, complete full sentences without. I knew what I was yeah, doing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I knew what I was doing, and then I'd take the notes. Right, the teacher writes because you could hand it in early for like the pre-read or the draft or whatever, and I'd uh, make the necessary notes and adjust. So, but yeah, some of the uh, I remember one. There was one for social studies. And also, I don't know if you felt like this too, but whenever I talked to school with uh, people that were not in our school district, and they'd be like, English. I'm like, oh, it's called language arts. Oh, and like, you know what I'm saying? Like one of those things. And I think there was like a reading class. And it's like, why don't you just merge language arts and reading and just call it English? Like, I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> yeah, So, so basically, I don't know. I mean... Has has writing been like a challenge for you in the past when it comes to outside of a rubric, just being creative in your own mindset and saying, "Oh, there's something that I kind of want to share creatively." I've never done that. I've only written because of school. It's weird though because I find more and more, and this is a weird conversation that I feel like keeps coming up over and over again when I'm on the white collar support group and just just talking to people in general who are over the age of, like, 40, 50, 60 years old, oh, I want to write a book. And so they start writing a book, and that's all they can talk about. It's like, that is their, that, that is, that is their swan song, I guess, as to all the experiences <laughs> that they've had over the course of their, their life, that they just want to put it down, and they don't know how to go about it. And so they just keep having to talk about it. It's like, I don't know what to do. do it's so weird, man. Like, what does that mean? You're writing a book. That means that you just came up with the idea, and now you're saying you're writing a book. Does that mean you've written half of it, and you haven't done you haven't done any work in like three years? Like, what does that mean? You're writing a book, <laughs> right? It's one of those things. It's it's totally. Like, what's it about? Well, well, you know, I'm I'm in the process of discovering that. Okay, so you haven't written anything. Exactly. No, I know. It's like people people have this ambition to do this. What's so weird, though, is every time I hear something like that, I just think back to, because it was, I think it was, like, sixth grade or something like that, when, I don't know if you remember Mark Bikowski, um, he and I had become really good friends, and we had created this, uh, this idea for a story based off of N64's Super Smash Brothers. And it was, it was a narrative about high school kids or junior high kids end up ending up coming into the power of the Super Smash Brothers and learning how to use those powers and then coming across these external bad guys that pop into the scene and stuff like that. It was so much fun to create like to create a world. I mean, and yeah. that's the I just 
I've always loved writing. I mean, the first the first book that I wrote actually is like hanging on my parents' wall or whatever. It's one of those things where it's uh, the coloring paper or whatever just folded in half and stapled in the middle. And that I think <laughs> I think I was in like second grade when I made my first actual like writing book thing. I remember in sixth grade. I think it was the first time that for one of our projects that we would do, it felt like when we'd have these projects, these writing projects where we learned bibliography, like where you spend an entire week learning how to do, write a bibliography, all this work going into this project about whatever you want to write about. And it had to be presented in a, uh, one of those folders where it's like, it's plastic and you insert it. And then the clip on the side, you push it in and it tightens it. So it's like a nice little, Ma- almost like a magazine style but with the protector and the first time i did that i can't remember what the project was i was doing but i was just like wow i never thought to even do this i'm so happy like this is you know 10 points on the rubric for putting it in the nice plastic clasp that costs like maybe five dollars and it makes it look so professional and on top of that we'd have to i think had like a table of contents Right, like yeah, table contents. Yeah, you go, you go through the fire. You're so overwhelmed as a kid, right? And then you hand it in, and you're like, "Wow, I fucking did it. I survived." Well, especially too, I survived the project. When, when, um, like inserting pictures and graphics and other information was just starting to become a thing in schools, and I just thought to myself, like it, it was so overwhelming. I, I try, I was trying to process the entire time. It's like. Okay, so when I insert this into the Word document back, you know, 20 years ago, like, insert it into the file, oh, now it's squished, and you gotta, like, spend two hours trying to just navigate, okay, what did I do wrong? Is there a way that I can yeah. reinsert this? Dude, have you heard this? So, I I don't know if maybe, it, I didn't hear about this until I came out to California. I don't know if you've heard about this, but someone was showing me, like, their business plan, and... They're talking, 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 and they're like, oh, yeah, my deck or, like, my slide deck or whatever. I'm like, what the fuck are they talking Oh, your PowerPoint? Is that what you're talking about? I don't know if you've ever heard that term where people refer to their PowerPoint presentation as, like, a deck or, like, their slide deck or slide or something like that. And I'm just like, okay, what is this new age cool term? Just call it PowerPoint. Was there a problem with it? Did it not sound cool enough? Did it sound too basic? Apparently, I always understood it as to be like a name brand, like Kleenex or Xerox, like PowerPoint. I didn't think anything of it. Google, I don't think anything of it. What was wrong with it? Why did it change? What occurred? Have you ever heard that? I have never heard that in my entire life. That That is... That must be like a, a millennial entrepreneur thing. That's the, my first thought. De- I mean, it, de- it sounds cool for sure. I just don't understand why you just – what happened to the, to the word or the phrase PowerPoint, right? Just like I made – like with the name brands. I don't – I'm trying to figure this out. It's a common denominator. Everyone knows if you say, oh, I've got this PowerPoint thing. They know exactly what it is. But if you're saying – But know, I'm also doing it's this- like if you say PowerPoint – the feeling I get is uh, n- unprofessional or something, right? Okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, have you not heard the news? Did you not get the memo? Did you just say PowerPoint? Okay, business meeting canceled. Bye. We're going to end it early. That's just that's just the way I interpret the information. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, too, is that I, I feel like 
people try to get way too cute when it comes to defining exactly what it is that they're doing. And when it comes to the creative process, everyone wants to be creative. I mean, the most successful people now have the most in, uh, innovative, in, intuitive, like, process to try and create new things. And everyone kind of wants to dovetail on that particular wave that we're going through right now where creativity is capital in itself. Right, for sure. But, uh, but anyway, going back to kind of the roundabout making it all the way over this hill that we've traveled back to uh your your experience reading my book uh the first so <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> uh, yeah where that's where, how we started talking about where, everything where we, we, where about. we started yeah i don't know little detours uh i so the first one that i had written and i don't know you didn't read the previous two books did you no you wouldn't let me you told me not to I told you not to? I mean, indirectly, because I inquired, and and then I I said something like, oh, I thought they were on Amazon. I don't know. I said something, and you were like, oh, you don't have to buy one. I have several copies. You can have one. In fact, just don't even read it. I'm writing a new one, or I want to write a new one, and there's a lot of spelling errors, and it's embarrassing, and just don't even bother. That's pretty much what I got from whenever whatever words you used exactly, I don't recall, but... That was the message that was portrayed. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Because, the f- <laughs> bro, the first one I had started writing in, like, 2003. Like, that, and I would have been, what? It's almost a, 20 years ago. Yeah, like, uh, sophomore in high school, I think, yeah. at that point. And so the second one I ended up publishing in 2008. And going back and reading those, because this book has been written since, like, 2011 or whatever it's just been sitting there but i was in college at that point so i had a lot more education when it came to grammar and syntax and stuff like that and just reading through those first two books the number of grammatical and spelling error like just the the errors that took place i i'm like oh this is just this is so embarrassing but i was also only what 14 15 years old at the time when i was writing it but do you think you can get away with republishing them and not having a publishing company find out about it uh, that you already self published that's kind of my goal right now and that's something too as i'm reading through the one that you're editing right now which by the way thank you publicly i really appreciate you <laughs> looking over that but i wasn't sure if you had started reading it my corrections are not because uh I, I, I was like, shit, I haven't looked at this for, like, five days, and I did, like, three chapters the other day. I, I can't remember, but I was like, shit, I got to get I gotta get better uh, on this, even if it's just one chapter a day. I have I have been constantly looking at it, but it's not it's not like a super short story read. I mean, this is... No, I scrolled all... I was pages. like... I, was, I, sc- I kept scrolling, like, 35 chapters. I'm like, fuck, all right, let's try and do at least two a day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and it is because now um, that one is basically done right now. It's just edits and and moving to publishing. I'm like, okay, so there's one more book to go. So the the question that I've always had is because originally it was supposed to be a trilogy. This was supposed to be the last book in the series. What What do you call a series that's four books long? Is it just? I have no idea. Yeah, I uh, a quadrilogy or something like that. No, where... you uh, you have to. Af- after that, I think it's called a saga. 
But for me, a saga is like at least probably five or six installments of something. Dude. Right? Because yeah. when I think of saga, I think the first thing I think of is Star Wars. And there, there's a lot of storyline and character going on in, the, in three films. I mean, that's enough information for six films, really. Dude. Right? Yeah. And but, I mean, I don't know. Five or six for me, and and that's the thing that I that I think about too because I wanted it to be three books. I wanted it to be done by the time that I was in college or whatever, and just have it done. As I was finishing up the one that's currently in process right now, I'm like, I can't, I can't conclude this. I mean, there's just too much space. It's gonna be, it's gonna be like six hundred pages. You have to make a second trilogy. You have to make a second trilogy. And it's like, yeah. So, so. It's been, it has been kind of a a wild journey just getting back into that. And I'm super, like, it makes me super happy to actually get back to it because that's something that I promised myself back when I was in high school, that I'd finish this. And it's only at this time where I have just a little, little bit of downtime in kind of the the midst of transition. But, dude, I'm excited. Like I'm, I'm so looking forward to just knocking this out because I don't think that there's been a single story that I've told. Um, cause I think I've written something like the equivalent of six books right now and only two of them are published. And it's one of those things where I get in my own head. It's like, is this, is this really something that people want to read? Blah, 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 blah. Um, but do you ever outline your stories or you just freehand it and then do you write yourself in a corner sometimes and you realize you have to come dig yourself out and rewrite because of the way the storylines go or what's your experience when you're in the process of physically writing in the moment dude so i used to for this like fantasy fantasy series and just in general like all the fancy stuff that i've written before i just go with the flow i try to put myself in because i like to have multiple points of view which is always kind of an interesting psychological exercise because I'll put myself in the shoes of somebody who's super timid and unwilling to experience new things, something I could probably personally relate to very well, and then somebody else who's super aggressive and wants what they want when they want it. And so it, as I'm going through the story, it's just I'm following the way that they would behave, but then the overarching narrative and point A to point B of, like, start to finish uh, kind of gets disrupted along the way. So I, I think about, um, what is it, the the Game of Thrones series, George R. R. Martin, um, his Song of Fire and Ice, where I totally understand. He's somebody who's written himself into a corner, like, so hard because his universe is so detailed and, you know, kind of precise that any single action is going to cause... It's a cataclysmic effect. It's got to be perfect. Cataclysmic effect. Exactly. Yeah. And so you kind of get stuck in your own head. So, um, like, world ending consequences. If you just get one thing wrong, everything else will fall apart and everything else, like a house of cards, everything needs to be completely intertwined perfectly. Perfectly. Exactly. Like a 3D puzzle, like a sphere. Have you seen those? Like those type of things you oh, see, like, yeah. at a gift shop or like a gasmo or a gizmo type shop? The spheres are like a globe that's a, also a puzzle. Oh, totally. Or like a Rubik's Cube. You have, to, you have to be writing a style in such a way that is algorithmic and that when it's done, everything uh, settles perfectly. Yes. 
And so the only other thing that I'll, I'll mention on this uh, is I had used a self-publishing um, platform when I had originally done this. I'm probably going to do the same thing. So when I published the first two books in this series, uh, I had used the uh, author house and the cost of publishing a book and doing all the print and stuff like that was like $300, $400 at, you know, at the most kind of thing. So really quick, I want to say that's an awesome idea to do as much as you can self publishing, because then when the time comes where you're talking to an agent, you know, exactly what you're talking about. You know, the true cost of things, you know, you have experience to bring to the table, not just here's my story. What can you do with it? Exactly. No. And that's, that's something too, that I was thinking about because like this series, it was just, it was for fun, right? It was just something out of a lark. The cost to publish with this place now, minimum $1,000, upward of wow. $5,600 for the... Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. The the upper tier. And, so, and that's up front? Like, yeah, no, it, it's, a, it's a flat fee. And so if you want to include extra stuff or like custom cover but with art and a things like that. Publishing, like a real publishing house, a professional publishing company they would just take your take you on as an investment and pay for everything and then they would just take out their cut over time and yeah exactly and uh and yeah. they would give you a an upfront bonus like a right. you know signing bonus same thing they have the with, resources with to make yeah. it yeah and you gotta have a fucking agent that's that's the whole point of this whole like thing is that if you just want to write for fun which a lot of people do. I'm shocked the number of people who just want to just write and get something published because they have something to share. But if you want it to actually have some sort of traction or integration into commerce, then you got to have like an agent to manage all this stuff, which is a whole nother process in itself, but something that eh, I kind of yeah. like, you know, I just, I just want to get it done. I want to put it out there. Have it, have it in actual paper book. Hold it, hold it like my little baby. You're gonna keep finding more and more and more work. So you're gonna do all those, and then you're gonna go back, go back and re-edit the first two, right? Bring it up, bring it up to professional standards, and then submit them. That's the hope, man. That's what I'm right? aiming for. Because then it's just, it's, then it's not just like here's one book. Right? It's like, oh, by the way, here are six books, or here are three books. I am in the process of writing the other three. You have more tokens, right? There's that you're you're not variety, you're not, you're not and they all slug. fit together. Yeah, just uh, yeah. like, oh, hey, I want to write a book, and so do 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 do. And I will say, I I do I I love Joe. Um, he tried writing his own memoirs. Um, it, I I tried editing it for about two months and uh, and I just couldn't continue. I had to give up after a certain period of time. Um, great story, like fundamentally, but I basically would have had to ghost writ his book, and that was not something I was. Isn't that why you have a stenographer? Aren't there people like the author will stand there and just talk and whatever comes to mind, and then there's a stenographer taking notes, make sure everything it like sounds normal, right? That's not really writing, writing. That's like I don't know what that's called exactly when you're writing down what someone is saying. But it's like 
there are certain people who are able to evoke emotions and set a scene and describe something in such visceral detail. Like, you're there. You get sucked into the story, and some people just don't have that ability. And so not everyone is kind of cut out to write a book. I would recommend, though, that it's worth trying, because I feel like, Victor, you, if you wrote a book, I would be very interested in reading that. The story, the I don't story understand why people life. would try and pass off like they're the author and they wrote a book when they didn't. That baffles me. Unless there's some specific reason, like they're a well-known person and they're writing from a different angle, like they don't want to be known or something, right? But like to take credit for something that you ha- – like it sounds like that maybe – you contribute ten percent of. I don't even. I don't know how it works. Yeah, it's but. it's more it's more the philosophy of like getting out a person's experience and saying this is kind of what's in my mind and in in my just DNA. And I just want right. to share it. I don't know how to share it, and so I have I somebody understand. else okay, translate. Got you. From okay, the internal to the external okay. kind of thing. Got it. I thought I was like I was thinking like someone wants to write a book, but they don't actually want to put in the work to write a book, as opposed to like they. It's just a different skill set. Yeah. You have a different skill set. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like this, man. So so what else is going on? What else is new? Oh, you'll get a kick out of this. I got a job. <laughs> I needed structure, dude. I was just, I just felt, I'm still, I still feel like I'm just all over the place, but I was like, damn, dude, I, I had... I've had so much – I was thinking about this earlier because it does feel good to have this job. It's really close by and the people are cool and everything. And But uh, I'm just like, man, you got to really manage your time well when you have unlimited time, when you have like no responsibilities to like work or something. But the, what's cool though is I'm only working like 30 hours a week. I'm like, fuck, dude. I didn't know I could do that. <laughs> Sweet. I mean I did that with like – when I was doing Postmates and stuff, right? But I'm like, shit, I have not worked for, like, almost a year. <laughs> but it feels good. The people are really cool. Thread on Sunset. Uh, hot girls walk in. California's about to lift their mask mandate. And uh, <laughs> Tell me it is a dispensary that you're working at right now. No, no, it's a restaurant. Oh. It's a restaurant. <laughs> okay. Supervi- a, supervisor, a supervisor at a restaurant. Which is funny, so get this, right? So I'm on Indeed. I updated my resume. Everything looks good. And on Indeed, it's so easy to just submit your app, your resume, right? Submit, 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 submit. It's so easy. My experience this time around, for some reason, was way easier than any other time. Because I had a setting where I would get emails, like for a restaurant positions or just whatever. And so I'd get these emails every day. And I would click on each one, and I would just send resume, send resume, send resume. It's that easy. And, uh, oh my gosh. And I remembered something else. Anyway, someone had found my resume and they're like, oh, we work at this fuel, the fuel, uh, company that does like quality control and logistics at like Burbank airport or something like that. They supply the fuel for that airport. And this guy called me, did a phone interview with him. They called me, right? I didn't know who they were. They emailed, they emailed me and set up a phone interview because they found my resume. Talked to him on the phone for like 10 or 15 minutes one day. 
uh, it went really well. Talked to him again on the phone the next day for 10 or 15 minutes, and then he's like, I'll get a hold of you, you know, at the end of today or on Monday. Never, didn't hear from him Monday. Text him on Tuesday because we, we were communicating already via text messages for the phone call, phone interview. And he has a real company email. Like, everything was legit, right? Like, because I, I was co- I've been corresponding with him through the company email. Anyway, I don't hear from him. I get ghosted by them. And I was like, what the fuck? That's so odd. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like, if you don't hear from us in two days, that means no. It was like, I'll get back with you on whatever day, Monday. I just got to clear it with my supervisor. Like, it sounded like he wanted to hire me, right? Anyway, it doesn't fucking matter because everything happens for a reason. Uh, and I got this interview at this other place, which I'm working at now, which was real quick, like interviewed and got hired on the spot and started working the next day. It's crazy that I've submitted my resume for stuff that was a few things that were supervisor, but more so things that were like bar back, server, like stuff, you know what I'm saying? Like that type of stuff. And I interviewed at a few places and out of all the places that I submitted to, cause indeed also will follow up and send you an email saying like, Hey, this company saw your resume, but they passed. And you can see when a company sees you as has at least viewed your resume. Right. Anyway, I cannot believe that after all of those submissions, only one place I got hired at and I got hired, like, I don't even know a week after I don't even, I submitted so many times. I don't even remember when they emailed me. I was like, I don't even remember applying to this place. So what's it like having structure again after an entire year? I'm, actually super curious to hear about the change well for a moment i mean it's only been a few days but it's like it's kind of good but also it's kind of like fucking a fuck this (laughs) but i'm just like dude you've had enough time off everybody works like you only have to work 30 hours a week and i get a free meal every time i work and these are like it's funny because that's one of the first things I noticed when I came to LA. Everything is expensive. When you get when you go out to buy lunch, you're spending at least twenty dollars on lunch. <laughs> Bro. Right? That's just so my gross. meals are like at least like anything on the menu, burrito, a salad, whatever, is all at least between like thirteen and you know, sixteen dollars plus you know, you can easily spend twenty plus dollars if you get a beverage or a side or just tax or whatever. That's insane. But anyway, it's really it's delicious food, and so <laughs> the people there are, the people there are super chill, and I know that it's just temporary, and so I'm okay with it. Yeah, that's kind of the thing too right now. As I'm adding back to the the East Coast, um, I've got so far I only have um, eleven confirmed weddings. It's probably gonna bump up closer to twenty by the end of the year, but if I'm gonna be out there. Uh, and I've been facing challenges trying to get some sort of stable job. Uh, it may be necessary to do something in that same vein, but it's, it's one of those things where I'm thinking to myself, wow, I just, there's some, there's something about that where I don't know. I just, there is this resistance to going back to corporate culture that doesn't lead anywhere. I mean, just a a standard yeah but i'm more so using it just to like have something that makes me accountable to right like it's not necessarily like yeah that is like that's my that's my main reason is that it's accountability 
one thing that I can revolve the rest of my schedule around instead of just like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. I can do it later. I can do it whatever. And a couple of times, like, you know, I had to get my ass out of the apartment. And it's like, oh, this kind of feels nice to like have a sense of urgency because you don't have like a sense of urgency to like do certain things. It's kind of like, uh, get tired of it. Definitely agree. So I did, I did have one question and I don't know if this is going to go anywhere, but I know that the winter Olympics have been going on. I haven't given a shit about winter Olympics. Dude. Like I was just thinking about that earlier today. Like I saw something on, uh, on the internet or something like about winter Olympics. I was like, Oh shit, that's going on right now. It's like, when did that start? When does it end? How far are we? I was like, I don't know any of this. I'm like, how come I don't know any of this? Well, I don't watch TV. I don't, like do really YouTube too much. So I wouldn't have like a random video of that pop up. And then also I was like, Oh my goodness. Because again, every single billboard, like 95% of billboards in LA are for film or television. Are oh, there? That's right. The Oscars I mean, are coming you, you up, need, aren't they? Yeah. You need to do this. You need to like, I don't remember like when you're driving on the highway in uh, the Chicagoland area, like are there billboards for stuff that's on like, regular network t- I don't remember no no there's not no like it's it's law firms and I, other like random bro stuff I didn't even know that's too bad I I seriously did not even know are you are are you somebody who enjoys watching like Olympic sports yeah if it's on but I'm not gonna probably watch any I'm if it's convenient for me to watch like I'm not gonna sit down and set it out sound time to like watch something it's like if I'm happen to be somewhere and it's on I'll watch it Summer Olympics are different. Summer Olympics are different. They are definitely different. Winter Olympics, just kind of whatever. But, like, bro, Winter Olympics, I I think to myself, I've been following the medal count or whatever. I don't think I've watched a single replay of any one of those events, whether (laughs) it be, like, alpine skiing or... Uh, curling or whatever the fuck. You, you just know, need to know that doing. all you need to know is the uh, medal count. It's like, I, I have no interest in that. I don't know, man. Oh my gosh. So you know what's funny? I did see a pic, before I realized it was the Olympics, I did see a picture separate from the picture that made me think of the Olympics was there was like a guy doing curling. And I was like, oh yeah, curling. I forgot about that. But I never made the connection that the Winter Olympics could be going could be going on. I just saw a picture of a guy curling. I will say that that probably was the craziest thing is that it felt like, oh, the Winter Olympics are coming. Like I kind of heard that in the background, you know, news stories or stuff like that. And then suddenly, oh, by the way, we're three games into or three days into the Winter Olympics right now. Um, here's the yeah. information. It's like, oh, oh, I didn't yeah. even realize that actually took place. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Summer Olympics, totally yeah. different though. I, I, I completely agree. So, so that concludes things for this episode of Street Thoughts. 